they, uh, you guys probably know, they're getting ready to go to camp, and uh, they've got they got a long day ahead. Is what they've got. They've got a lot of packing up and all the things. So, uh, uh, in fact, I'm sure if anybody wanted to stay around after and give you all a hand, y'all probably could use some hands. Yeah, I figured you might. So, loading loading trailers and equipment and all those things. They they probably even let you go to camp with them today just for the day and help them set it up too. I don't know. So, uh, but uh, no, that's uh, that's that's all happening here uh, right now. A couple things I want to make mention of that are going on uh, here at 24, and uh, and for anything that we have that you can sign up for. By the way, you can do that through the app. You can do it on the website, uh, or if you just are like technically challenged, uh, then you can go to, uh, uh, or maybe I should have said technology challenge. I don't know. Technology technically challenged. Technically, technology challenged. I don't know. I'm going to keep thinking about that. We'll come back to it. Uh, and uh, if, But you can go to the front desk, and they will help you. They will babysit you through getting signed up for something. If that's what you need, we are here for you like that. So uh, that, that's, that's, that's at the front desk. You can do that, uh, and they'd be glad to help you with that. And uh, they got the little iPads and things up there uh, to do that with. Um, so we've got a couple things coming up. First of all, we've got a marriage conference. Uh, Joey will talk more about this at the end. Um, uh, that is coming up uh, in August. That's next month. Uh, so make sure you get signed up for that. If you're sitting there going, well, that's not for me. You know, I'm not married and all this kind of stuff. Well, look, uh, I'm just telling you, even if you've sworn off, you know, relationships and all this kind of stuff, you never know. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I think that I think that everybody that will be here as a part of that is going to be blessed. I think it's going to be an awesome time together. Paul Tripp is just amazing. Uh, such a solid teacher. Uh, looking forward to that. So, so be here with us. Uh, by the way, it's like it's like thirty bucks for a couple. I think it's like twenty bucks for a single person. Um, and uh, uh, but like thirty bucks for a couple or the twenty. Either way, you get you get uh, a book. Uh, you get childcare. Hello, I mean honestly, you could pay the thirty bucks, drop the kids off. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about it right now. I mean, you know, seven kids for thirty bucks for a weekend. I'm sold. I'm sold. I've got access to the thing. I can watch it whenever I want to. So you know, if y'all don't see me here, you know. So uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, so yeah. You get childcare. You get a book, uh, and you get food too. I mean, there's food involved. So. Um, and it's like good food, so uh, you know, don't 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 miss out of it. That's coming up. Um, you know, again, uh, just just come be a part of that. Uh, also, also coming up. And this is not on. It's not going to be on the calendars and stuff because they weren't wanting to push it yet. But I just want to go ahead and make mention of it, so you can put it on your calendar or whatever, and just kind of have it uh, ready to do the thing. Uh, on, uh, I believe. Please don't quote me on this, but I believe it's like November first. I mean, you guys know how good I am with a calendar, anyway. Um, but it's the Sunday night before Labor Day. That's the one that's coming up, right? The holiday that's coming up is Labor Day. I haven't gotten to September. What? I don't believe that. Are we recording this service? <laughs> I wasn't even ready to talk about the actual when. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's the, it's the Sunday night before Labor Day. Uh, we are for all of the people that volunteer. If you volunteer, if you serve Jesus in any way, shape, or form as a part of Twenty Four Church, we wanted to do something for you. In the last couple years, 
Uh, we have had a friend of ours who was uh, at a church down in Alabama, uh, good old Lolo, and he was bringing uh, students every summer to do uh, work around in our community, helping us do stuff in the neighborhoods that we're feeling led to do the bus ministry stuff with and all that kind of stuff, so that we've been kind of like, we've been kind of working some of that stuff now for a few years. Um, and the thing that they helped us do on a Saturday before uh, they would come worship with us on Sunday is they were helping us do a volunteer appreciation uh, event. And it was awesome. We loved it. <clears throat> and we still love it. And if you made one, then you know how awesome it was. And if you didn't make one, make one. well then, you know, I'm sorry. I can't tell you about it because what happened at volunteer appreciation stays at volunteer appreciation. Now, we were very clear about that. Uh, and so, that being said... Uh, we are not able to pull that event off because they helped to let, I mean, when all of your volunteers, you're trying to do something for your volunteers, but you've got to serve them somehow, like uh, without some you know huge group of people coming in to help you do that, uh, it kind of becomes an impossible thing to do. Otherwise, you're looking at your volunteers who you're wanting to serve and going, hey, can you serve? Um, and so anyway... Uh, long story short, we didn't want to. We didn't want the year to get away from us and not do anything. And so we said, "Hey, let's just let's just do something fun. Let's just go. Let's go hang out and do something fun." And so uh, on that Sunday night, uh, we are going to make available for you and your families. If you if you serve, uh, we are going to make available uh, tickets to the Sounds game that night. And we're all just going to all go to the Sounds game and just take over uh, the whole thing. And so uh, you know, and it should be should be awesome. And some of you are in here right now going, well, I don't serve doing anything, and I want to go to the sounds game. You know, if that's you, well, first of all, <laughs> you know this is coming. Maybe you should do something. <laughs> Jabaloo! Uh, <laughs> you guys are encouraging me. You should stop. <laughs> don't, don't, no, you don't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, so yeah, you should do something. Go get involved, find a place to serve. But if you want to go with us, we will still let you go with us. We're just not going to buy your tickets uh, because we want to, you know, we obviously want to do that for, uh, for the families, the people that do serve. Uh, but if you, want, if you want to go, we'll have a group rate. You'll be able to buy tickets with us and all that. And so there'll be a way to sign up and do that. Uh, Debbie will have that all figured out, Debbie and Ben, because they do all the Debbie and Ben things that they do, So, uh, which is awesome. And they're great at that. So, uh, by the way, Debbie is going to camp with the kids as of like an hour ago, apparently. Uh, so pray for her this week, all right? And I guess pray for us without her, you know, for the week too. So, uh, but uh, anyway, pretty pretty awesome stuff. I got my my Daryl Sharon taxidermy shirt on today too. By the way, he gave me that this week. I was pretty proud of that. I love I love. Do you not love getting a, a t-shirt? Is there not, I mean, it's like getting a free t-shirt's like handing me a bar of gold sometimes, you know? And my, my wife absolutely hates when I get a new t-shirt. And she's like, she's like, can you get rid of some of your t-shirts? And I'm like, no. No, because I love them all like children. So <laughs> maybe we should be taping this service. <laughs> Oh man, let's go to the book of Mark. How about it? Uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Mark chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you a Bible. And if you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to have it as a gift. And if you don't have one with you, you were just lazy and didn't bring it to church today, that's fine too. You can borrow it and return it to the shelf when the services are with. That'd be fantastic too. Uh, but we'd love for you to follow along. Mark chapter 14. And uh, that's uh, 
kind of where we are today. We've been going through the book of Mark since uh, March, I think, of last year. Is that right? March? February. Thank you for the correction. Uh, I knew that I would get it. You got like your teacher glass thing going on right now, too, like looking at me. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, February last year, we started going through the book of Mark, and uh, we're pretty close uh, in on, on bringing this thing home. And uh, pretty, pretty awesome, uh, you know, to get to see uh, what God, I mean, just think, I mean, you think about, I think about, maybe you don't think about, I think about like what God's done in our church in, a, in since last February. I mean, there's been so many things happen, so many lives changed, so many, so many, like so many things like directionally and what God is leading us to do as a church even and stuff. And, and I can just tell you, uh, spot on in God's own way, the way that only he can do it. As we have been through this book together of Scripture, it has been perfect as He would want it to be. Uh, you know, you can't plan out, you know, like what, I'm going to teach this this week or whatever. In fact, uh, something I'm, I'm teaching today uh, got all over me. I'll probably talk about it later on with the baptism that we did uh, in the first service today too. So anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, we're going to Mark 14. Um, by the way, it is, uh, it is good to have Clay and Christy and Grace with us in worship today. We have been praying for baby Grace for, what, nine months? Is that right? Seven months. Well, we got to praying before, I guess. But yeah, she's been here for seven months. And so, uh, man, what a, what a testimony of what God uh, can do and has done. Uh, and so awesome. And uh, of course, good to have uh, Lacey and Katie uh, with us today as well, uh, who were uh, part of the beginning of 24 Church. And they, they live in West Tennessee and we don't get to see them very often, and they're hanging out with us today too. So uh, if you remember Josh, uh, who played drums back in the day, uh, some called him Animal. Uh, that is Katie's husband, and it is Lacey's brother, and uh, he's now all grown up and responsible and a, and a pilot. He, he gets paid to fly people around in the sky. The same guy who's back here, you know. And man, if y'all knew the stories. Lord have mercy. He's good to us. All right. Mark 14. Mark 14. Verse 1. Verse 1 starts, before I even say this, verse 1 starts uh, another one of Mark's sandwiches. Uh, not that I'm trying to get you to be hungry. That's on you if, if you are. Because uh, I'm not necessarily talking about food. But we see Mark teach in a way where he sandwiches things together. And, and it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit like, you know, like that friend that you've got that's ADD and they start a story and they're like halfway through the story and they go, oh, whoa, 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 let, me, let me tell you this other thing. And then they start a whole new story. And then they, and like you know, only the ADD people like get to the end of that story and they're like, I don't even know where that was supposed to go. And then they're like, let's just go get something to eat now. Uh, Mark, Mark does this and does it well where we start with something and then he gets into something else and then he comes brings it back around and it's kind of the sandwiching way that, that he, uh, he wrote. And it has to do, it's perfectly having to do with you know, the things that he's talking, talking about as to why he's talking about these things together. And I really believe that he kind of means for these passages, obviously, to be together, uh, that they could be taught together so we could kind of have a better understanding of some of the things going on, uh, historically speaking especially. Um, at this point, I think for us to know that it's important for us to know that, I mean, that we are at this point in Scripture where Jesus is, I mean, it's, it's starting, we're starting about to start Passover week, and Jesus is about to be killed. Like, He's still with the disciples, 
He's still hanging out with them. He's still, you know, you know, but but time's time is cutting short. And and that's obvious by what's going on and the things that Jesus teaches in this passage today. Like if there was a moment where like this was a we're gonna look for the calm before the storm, this is it. This is it. Like this is right before they're gonna come get Jesus. You're gonna see some of that starting to unfold right here. In fact, verse one it says this. It says, It was now two days before Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest Him by stealth and kill Him. And they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. So first of all, we've got this understanding, verse 1, that it's Passover, starting in the Passover, uh, and then talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread and all this kind of stuff. Uh, let's talk about that for just a minute. So they celebrated and recognized and remembered Passover Okay, as as you know, God's people, uh, because of what God did, and here's what God did. If you need the reminder, or maybe you don't know, and it's okay if you don't know. But in the Old Testament, we see uh, in the book of Exodus where uh, God tells His people there comes a night where this angel of death is going to go over, going to fly over uh, all the houses uh, in Egypt, and uh, at that moment, uh, all those who did not put the blood of a lamb, they were instructed, God's people were instructed, kill a lamb, take blood from the lamb, put it over the doorpost of your house to protect your family. When the angel of death went over, if you didn't have that over the doorpost of your house, the, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your house, then you lost your firstborn. This is a huge deal. I mean, just imagine like waking up the next morning to all these people who lost children. And it was this, this huge thing. And God protected them through it. God protected His people through it. And, and so, this was something that they had forever remembered and forever celebrated. God's deliverance. God's protection. God's rescuing of the people that would trust and believe in Him. So, you've got that happening. Now, let me kind of... Furthermore, you've got the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was something that kind of started Passover week on the weekend. Uh, leading into Passover week. And, and I know terms like that, sometimes we hear stuff like that and we're like, oh, whatever, it's just some old thing. And I, I, let's get some history behind it. Let's, why, is it why is it called it? Well, so the, the reason for the unleavened bread, we, we hear about the unleavened bread from time to time, you know, and all this kind of stuff, was this, and, and the, this was them remembering what their ancestors had gone through, what God's people had gone through, which was that they ate bread that was cooked without yeast in it. Well, if you cook bread without yeast in it, it doesn't rise. So it's kind of like this flat, you know, not, you know, it's definitely not like, you know, some nice sourdough, you know, really beautiful, you know, like fluffy, like the cinnamon rolls across the street or, you know, some of that kind of stuff. It's not any of that. And so, uh, now you want a cinnamon roll, you're welcome. Uh, and uh, they heat those up, put a little extra icing on them for you if you ask. You just got to ask, right? Right, yeah, there's the... Queen of the cinnamon roll right there. So anyway, uh, so this whole thing with the bread was this. Here's why. Here's why they cooked bread that wasn't as good as regular bread that we think of when we think of like really good bread. And it's because they literally, at any moment, had to be ready to just bolt to go. Remember, like God was going to deliver them out of Egypt? You know, that whole like, you know, let them go and they're going to the promised land and all this, you know, kind of stuff. And so, like, God's people had to literally, like, really be literally ready to go at any given time. So they 
could not cook bread with yeast in it because they didn't know if they would be there long enough to eat it. And believe me, as hard as it was to get things, you didn't go fooling around going, well, you know, let's just go ahead and throw some in there and you know, hopefully we won't have to leave by later tonight or whatever. No, they, they literally all the time ate unleavened bread waiting for the moment that they would have to take off. And so this was you know, kind of a small way of suffering for those people. And so again, to kind of go with Passover, they would eat at that time unleavened bread as a reminder of what God's people had gone through before them. So we're leading into this week. And now, by the way, Passover, I imagine Passover as being like, uh, and some of you have been uh, to this, uh, I imagine Passover, if you remember, like as we've studied Jesus and the disciples, like getting to Jerusalem, coming to this moment that we're in right now and studying on right now, is that we've got this whole like picture of like there's tons of people, tons, I mean tons of people who have been coming and going to Jerusalem, like trying to get there, like pilgrimages of people just coming and coming and coming all for Passover week. And Passover week in Jerusalem, in my mind, not historically probably, but in my mind is something like New Orleans during Mardi Gras without some of the things, hopefully, right? <laughs> but you, you kind of get the picture like there's people everywhere. People have, people have traveled to this city for this special event, you know, and it's, and it's that kind of, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of excitement and all that. And so if you read into that, it makes more sense. It says, and the chief priests, verse 1, the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. And I see by stealth, and my mind immediately goes to like 80s airplanes, right? By stealth and kill him. So the goal here is that they are trying to figure out a way to like sneakily, word, sneaky, sneakily, sure, we're going with sneakily get to Jesus so that they can kill him and not have all these people. How do we know that? Because it says so. It says here, verse 2, and they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. They're not stupid. They are kind of, but you know, at the same time, they like realize that like we can't try to arrest Jesus. All these people have been hearing about all this stuff he's been doing. We can't try to arrest him in front of all these people. We might have a mob come against us and keep us from doing this. By the way, it's no accident that Jesus comes to Jerusalem on Passover week to see all of this come to fruition. That He would die on this week. I mean, no accident to it. We'll get into that later too. Going on to verse 3. And in verse 3, we see part of the meat of the sandwich here as Mark changes what's going on and what he's talking about. And he says, and while he was at Bethany, so now we're not in Jerusalem, we're over in a little town called Bethany that's there close to Jerusalem. It says, and while, we, while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, which by the way, you didn't go to a leper's house for dinner. That was not something you did. I mean, like, I mean, that was right out. I mean, like, nobody, nobody was going to anybody, any leper's house for dinner. Like, nobody even went to a leper's house. Like, you were afraid of catching leprosy. That was the point. And so we don't have historical background of this, but there's a lot of thought 
and belief that this might have been somebody that Jesus actually healed of leprosy. And of course, he became known as Simon the leper before, and so he's still being referred to as Simon the leper. We could use a little more detail, but Mark's not a detail guy. So it says, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment and of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. She poured the flask and poured it over his head. Now, by the way, before anybody thinks they've heard something different, you have heard something different than this, uh, especially like the Gospel of John, maybe one of the others. Uh, we have the same account of this exact thing happening. And in that account, we have that she, that she poured it onto his feet and then cleaned his feet. And we'll see you know, some of this here in just a minute. Uh, but the understanding here is this, is this is something that's not a little bit of something. So the, the flask, not like what you're thinking of, uh, is a bottle that was literally broken to open it. I spent a long time last night like thinking about how they ever closed that, like why they had to break it like to get it open. But uh, I never got anywhere with that, so I'll, maybe another day. But so they had to break this thing and get it open. This was something that was of huge, huge value. I mean, I'm talking like, uh, well, it tells us here in just a second, 300 denarii. A denarii was like a day's wage. So we're talking, and they didn't work on Sunday, so we're talking about a year's worth of work to pay for what this thing cost. This was a huge, hugely expensive item. And she takes it and she pours it on Jesus. Now, this flask of a thing uh, is not small. In fact, it is understood that it was probably 12 to 16 ounces. So um, when I hear 16 ounces, I immediately go to like a gas station Mountain Dew. That's just, that's just what immediately is in my head. And so if, if you were talking about something that you poured, you open it up, 16 ounces, and you poured it on somebody's head, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be enough that it's going to get on feet as well. So I, I think it's a both end. Uh, as to how do you explain the differences in the two passages or whatever. Same thing's happening. I think, I think literally she pours it on his head. It's also getting on his feet. I think it's getting all over him. Goes on, verse 4, it says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. So the sum, right, <laughs> the sum that are getting upset here, the sum that said to themselves indignantly, I I'm pretty sure the disciples, they're mad. They're upset. In fact, if you want to get Greek on it, like the Greek interpretation of the mad that they were is the same words used for what you would see a bull. One, one theologian says a bull. One theologian says a horse when they flare their nostrils, okay? So imagine like a bull at a bullfight that's about to beat down a clown, okay? And, and like the nostrils are going from the anger that that person is even there. That's the kind of anger that the disciples had toward this lady who we also know is named Mary. Thank you to the other Gospels who have a little more detail. And this Mary is the Mary that is, that is a sister to Martha and to Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. 
and we believe they were also here on the scene uh, because of the other Gospels. So, this whole situation, Mary pours this out all over Jesus. And in this moment, the disciples get extremely angry because they see what they think is the wasting of something that's worth so much money. And they're like, we could have used that. We could have sold that and used that money to be able to feed all of these poor people. Why in the world would you do that? They are jumping the gun. Verse 6, it says this. It said, but Jesus said, leave her alone. (laughs) I love that. Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? He steps in to defend her. He steps in to defend her. Why? He says, why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. He's making a statement there. He's like, guys, wake up. I've been telling you something for a while now. I'm not always going to be around. Now, we, we know that that's true for all of us. I mean, humanity is what it is. We, we know that, we know that you know, death comes for, for us all unless Jesus comes back first. <clears throat> and so, in this moment, Jesus is making this statement and He's like, guys, you can always minister to the poor, but I'm, I'm here now and you won't always have me. And in verse 8, He goes on and He says, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. What? He says, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Like, wait, wait just a second here. What? What did he say? For burial? So something that's important to understand is that, that when you buried dead people back then, uh, hopefully only the dead people where you would bury. Uh, but uh, when you would bury somebody back then, you would anoint their body with things like what she used on him. These fragrances, perfume type things to help with the smell of things. Um, but if you look at the entire story of the crucifixion of Jesus, and you look at His death, Going to the grave being, I mean, basically, Jesus' body doesn't have time because of when He dies, and because of it being Passover week, and them celebrating all these things, they don't have time to do all these things. Again, this is all God's timing. This is all part of God's plan. I mean, no, it shouldn't be any surprise to us, but like, there's pieces of a puzzle that are fitting together here that I think a lot of us just miss sometimes because we don't know some of the backstory or whatever. And, And here's this beautiful picture of like, God seen to it that His body would be anointed with this amazing bottle of, of perfume before He is led off to be killed, knowing that He would not have a chance to have that done to His body when He is put in the rich man's grave. It's pretty interesting. And Jesus uses this moment to not only scold them, but to try to help them to understand, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be gone. I'm headed out the door. Time is short here. 
and what she has done, she's done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, verse 9, wherever the Gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. What an amazing statement. You don't have any statements like this from Jesus in memory of her. Jesus is, Jesus is trying to legitimize the importance to His listeners in this moment who've been like, you know, bull nosing, you know, the the you know, this lady like that they're, you know, acting like they're so mad they're gonna like pounce on her or something. And then and then Jesus is like, look, I'm here to tell you that what she's done right now will be known forever. And it is. It is. We're here talking about it today. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, he said, in the whole world what she has been done, what she has done will be told in memory of her. We're here today talking about what she did. Now, she didn't, she didn't know that. She didn't know that was going to happen. She didn't know that 2,000 years later that people were going to talk about this moment. In fact, you know, if she was really thinking, thinking about things, and I don't think she was, I'm not saying she was crazy, I'll get to that in just a second. If she was really thinking, thinking about things, she'd probably be thinking like most of us think when God leads us to do something crazy. When God leads you to do something crazy, what do we think about? We think about what other people think. Oh, well, uh, you know, I, I can't raise my hand. I, that's not, you know, people around me, they might think I'm getting all Pentecostal on them or something, right? Can't, uh, can't, can't be having people thinking that. Oh, God's, lead, God's leading me to leave my job and go do this other thing or whatever. Oh, I, you know, I mean, people think I'm crazy if we did that. People thought we were crazy starting a church in Pleasant View in 2005. Had all kinds of comments. Listen, and you do too. You go here. We, we get all kinds of comments. And, but I'll never forget, like even before we started the church, I was at a church, was sharing the vision of the church and what we were going to be doing. And I won't say the church because I love, I love the church. But the, there, was this, there was this fella that comes up, this older fella, and I, and I love... I love, sometimes you just got to love older folks because they, they just, they go no filter on you. And I can appreciate that. You know, like I can appreciate the truth. Just put the truth on me. Like, what do you think? And just put it on me right now. And I can laugh it off with them, you know. And, and this guy comes up to me and he, and he says to me, he says, hey, I, I just got one question for you. He just got through hearing me like give this long spiel about the vision of the church, how God's going to save the world, you know, through this 24 church thing or whatever. And, and, and he comes to me and he says, I just got one question for you. I said, what's that? You know, I'm thinking, oh, he wants to like get behind it or something. You know, he just, he just needs one thing clarified, you know, and I'm, I'm going to put it on him today. And he says, isn't there enough churches up there already? And I was like, well, you would think so. You would think so. I was like, but I think that God is calling us to do something a little different to reach people that are different. Now looking back on it, I should have said people that are jacked up. We're here, right? Praise the Lord, we're here. And truly I say to you, wherever the Gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. She was not for a second thinking about what other people thought. Not for a second. Not for a second. 
Before I get into that, let me. I want to want to make something clear here. I think Jesus. You know, I've, I've seen people take this passage and try to say that Jesus is saying that we shouldn't spend any time ministering to the poor because Jesus is like, well, you'll have the poor to. You know, you'll be able to. You'll be able to do that for the poor anytime I'm about to be gone, kind of thing. No, no, no. They're taking. They're putting the focus on the wrong thing. Uh, in fact, you can't, you can't possibly read the rest of Scripture and say that, that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to ignore the poor and not help the poor. Okay. In fact, I wanted to give you just a few cases just in case you had any confusion. James 1.27 talks about how we're supposed to minister to the orphans and widows. That's on us, church. Okay, Orphans and widows, that's us. Okay, And that looks differently sometimes, especially in this day and age. Matthew 10.42 uh, talks about whoever gives a cup to uh, the littlest of one of these, talking about taking care of children, does so for me. Okay, And in Matthew 25, and this is just a few, just a handful I'm throwing out here. We're going to read this one together. Matthew 25, verse 37, it says this, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus isn't talking about giving up ministry to the poor. He's just making a statement and saying, guys, I just don't think you realize how important this moment is here. We've got a moment that's going to be remembered forever. He says so. I don't ever recall him saying that about any other moments. They think she's crazy because she's wasted all this stuff, wasted all this stuff. <laughs> he sees it as preparing him for his grave. Here's what I love about Mary. Kent Hughes talks about this. She did this out of love. If you think about it for just a minute, you think about how we serve God. And we serve God in all kinds of ways. And sure, we serve God on Sunday mornings and you know, through the ministries of the church and that kind of thing. But we, I mean, we, serve, we serve God by how we love our neighbors. We serve God with you know how we love coworkers and you know just ministering to people, loving people all around us, and that kind of thing. How do we do it? Is maybe a question that we need to ask ourselves on a regular basis. Like, what's what's our approach with that? Because we see Mary here making an approach that I think should challenge us. First of all, she did it straight up out of love. She loved Jesus. She wasn't worried about what these guys thought. She wasn't worried about that at all. She did so in spontaneous response, being led by the Spirit. You know, and, and, and I, think, I think that that's something for us today that so many of us lack because when God speaks to our hearts about things, a lot of times we, we, just, we, we, just, we, want, we want to hit a pause button. We're like, oh, I you think about that. Let's pause that. Let's pause that. You know? No, I think, uh, you know, you know and, and I have conversations with people all the time. You know, I think God's leading me to do this. I think God might be pulling me to do that. And, and they'll, they'll tell me that. And then, you know, later on in other conversations, hey, how's that going? Well, I, you know, I'm praying about that. 
And see, here's what we do. God leads us to do something sometimes, and then we shelve it. You know? You know what I'm saying? Like, we put it on the shelf. We're like, well, put that right there. I'm praying about it. You know? Like, oh, God, what are you leave me to do? What are you going to leave me to do? Oh you, oh, you still want me to do that? Okay, well, I'm going to keep praying about it. Right? Like, how long are we going to pray about it? And like, I mean, seriously, like, I'm, I know people have made statements, and I've, and I've probably done it myself, and the pastor's like, well, I'm just going to keep praying about that. Maybe, man, in the back, back of our heads, if we're just being real honest, we're like, if I pray about that long enough, maybe God will lead somebody else to do it. Right? And the truth is that eventually He will. And then what we lost was getting to be a part of God's mission and His plan in this world to change it as we know it. Because we kept shelving it and praying for it. There comes a point where we just go, God, lead me. Lead me to do what you want me to do. Call me to do whatever crazy stuff you're going to call me to do. And when He does it, we just go, okay, let's roll. Let's go. Man, that's, that's where we want to be. That's where, that's that not... You know, not where like we're like, oh, oh, there's a there's a need Sunday morning. Oh, somebody needs help with that. Oh, well, that's not really my thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna volunteer for that because that's not really my thing. Forget our thing, right? What about the kingdom? Are we passionate about loving Jesus like Mary loved Jesus? She she got down and she washed his feet. You know, there's a lot of people in life that say say to something like, you know, I believe in that. What you're doing is something good. I'm going to help write a check. Here's your check. Go for it. I, hey, everybody loves a check, right? But what about, what about people who will write the check and be willing to get their hands dirty? That's what we need a church full of today. It's like Mary shows up and she didn't have much, but what did she give? She gave her all. She didn't just write the check with the thing that costs what a year's worth of wages would cost, which she did do. But she didn't stop with that and go, well, I've done, I've done it, you know, pour this out for Jesus. Oh, here we go. Love you, Jesus. No. She got down on her knees and she took down her hair and she washed her feet. It's not in Mark, right? How do we know it? Because of John. Thank you. And she washed his feet with her hair. She washed his feet with her hair. She washed his feet with her hair. Folks, this was a different time and place. This was not like today where people collect sneakers. You know what I'm talking about? You got friends that collect sneakers? I got friends that collect sneakers. I'm not going to say that I've not ever not looked at what a pair of sneakers is going for on eBay. Because I'd take a first generation of Michael Jordan anytime if you guys run across a set of yard sale. But people give crazy money for sneakers now, right? This was before Nike, okay? You didn't, you didn't even have Crocs back then. Not that, not that that would have your feet any cleaner than going barefoot. I just called out everybody's still wearing Crocs. I hope you picked that up right there. Jesus still loved you. She washed his feet with her hair. How big a deal was that? Let me tell you how big a deal that was. That was her giving her 
all. How do you you say that, Chris? Why why, why do you say that? How, How can you say that? Here's how. At that point in history, a woman's hair, if you're ready for it, was her glory. It was her glory. When she knelt down and took down her hair and washed his nasty feet with her hair and at least three months' wages, I'm guessing, to use to wash the feet, you know, worth of perfume. She was literally giving him all of her glory. Everything that was important to her in that moment was literally on Jesus. All that perfume, her hair, she's all in. She's all in. And and you know what we in situations when we see people that are all in, a lot of times you know how you know what our reactions like we're like, man, they might be a little crazy. Right? I guarantee you that's what the disciples thought. And that's why they reacted the way they did. They thought she was crazy. Jesus knew better. Jesus knew that this was a pivotal moment in history and a pivotal moment in the Gospel where He was trying to help them to understand something. I'm about about to be gone. And here she is giving Him her all. Unfiltered by what others would think. You go straight out of this story, back to the bottom part of the bun on the sandwich. Verse 10. It's a change. It's a sobering change. For we see someone with unbridled devotion and love toward Jesus, and then we see verse 10. It says in verse 10, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray Him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give Him money, and He sought an opportunity to betray Him. Think about You know, moments in life when you've had people do something to you that's very hurtful. Maybe somebody that cares about you. Maybe they said something behind your back. You wish that if they really felt that way, you wish they'd just come to you and told you about it instead of telling somebody else. I'm sure none of that's ever happened to anybody here. Um, but I know it has to me. And that, that's hurtful. That's hurtful. But what Judas does here. This is like next level. He betrays Him. He betrays Jesus. He's not only a rat, He sells Him out. 30 pieces of silver, apparently. What we get from one of the other Gospels. He sells Jesus out. See, this was important. And this is why it completes the sandwich. The important part of understanding this and the other pieces together is that they, the scribes and the priests, which were really the Sanhedrin anyway, that were trying to arrest Jesus to then kill him, which was the ultimate goal, uh, was, you know, they had to do it how? With stealth, 
Remember? Like the bomber. And so Jesus, Jesus in this moment, you know, is being betrayed by someone who's been with him all of this time. One of his, you know, one of his own guys is betraying him. All for a little money. And they needed someone's help. And I think the important thing to see here is that they didn't go to Judas. Judas went to them. Judas goes to them, and not only does he go to them, but he sells him out. And this is going to allow them to know where Jesus is, because let's just say they're not in Jerusalem at this point, and they're still in Bethany. And when do they need to go get Jesus? Well, we know, we know because we're going to go there, but they go during the night to get Jesus. Well, I mean, think about it. Historically speaking, it wasn't like there were streetlights everywhere. And especially talking about like a smaller town of Bethany, and how are they going to get there? How are they going to know which house? How are they going to know even who he is in the night, in the dark? They need Judas. Judas becomes their key. But here's, here's the truth of it all, folks. It was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan, all foretold. It's back in Exodus. He's going to get sold up the river. It's in Psalms. He's going to get sold up the river. Judas betrays Jesus. Judas premeditated, planned out what he was going to do, and he went to them. They didn't come to him. Judas, uh, Jesus goes from being loved to being betrayed. And, and to be honest with you, and now, I'm not trying to make light of what Jesus went through by when I say this. I hope you see that with how I say it. To me, that's another notch in what Jesus did on behalf of us. Don't you think for a second that that didn't hurt Jesus? He knew He was going to be betrayed. Don't you think for a second that that didn't hurt Him? You think about how we've been hurt by people in this world. Jesus has gone through it too. And why? For us. He's, he did it for us. It's no accident that Jesus sought out the week of Passover as the time that He would go to Jerusalem to put Himself in these positions. He goes in town, first of all, cleaning out the temple, making all those priests and scribes mad because they're making money on all this jack that they've been doing there and everything. And, and all, I mean, it's just setting the stage. Jesus knows this is going to happen. He could have done it any time, but He did it on Passover week the time when they were already celebrating God's deliverance of His people, Jesus came to be the blood on the doorposts of all of our lives. And all we have to do is believe. We don't even have to kill Lamb because He's already died the death that we deserve on the cross that we deserve and then overcame the grave. Something we could never have done. He defeated death on our behalf that we could have life. Mary went all in because she loved Him. Mary went all in because she loved Him. Jesus paid it all because He loved us. Jesus paid it all because He loved us. He was loved and betrayed 
but he did it all for the glory of the Father and to, com- and to complete the greatest rescue mission of all time. That's what Jesus did for us. Today in the first service, we baptized uh, Alan Beavers. If you don't know who Alan is, you probably do know who Alan is if you've come here for any length of time at all. You may not know him by name. But he's an older gentleman who works with our parking team in the parking lot. Very humbling to baptize him today. And I told the first service I didn't. I didn't plan on it. But after teaching about Mary and what she had done, I looked at Alan and I see somebody who gives his life week after week just to just love people. You don't go out there in the parking lot because you want to throw a party. Okay? Not every Sunday morning. Maybe every once in a while. Okay? Maybe on a random Friday night. I've seen Alan out there, and I told everybody this, and of course Alan had no idea I was going to say. I didn't know I was going to say any of it. I've seen Alan out there in the pouring down rain holding an umbrella over families to get in here. Why? Because he passionately loves Jesus. And he wants people that don't know Jesus to come in here and also fall in love with the person who saved him too. And that, to me, is this picture of what God has called us to with our lives. Not just Sunday mornings. Please don't hear this as like some trip of like, you know, go volunteer Sunday mornings. I mean, yeah, that's fine. Be, be the church. Be a part of the church. All those things. But let me just tell you what. God has called us to do that with our lives. Jesus was loved and betrayed because He loved us. He went through all those things because of us. And today, we have an opportunity to do something like what Alan has done for a long time, but he did it formally in the form of baptism today, which is to let the world know that Jesus is his Lord and Savior. And if you're sitting here today and you say, Chris, I'm not sure Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I know Jesus is not my Savior. I'm here to tell you today, listen, if God is speaking to your heart today, quit ignoring Him. Quit putting it on the shelf. Quit thinking about it and praying about it. Make a move. Let the Spirit lead you. Let God save you today from your sin. He sent His Son to die the death that we deserve. That we could be a part of His family. That we could be changed forever. That we could be made a new creation. And for His glory to make Him famous. Loved and betrayed for us. Let's pray. God, thank You. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for an empty tomb. God, thank You for what You've done for us that we don't deserve, but God, we get to receive just because of who You are and how You've loved us. God, I pray that our lives would be light in this world God, use us for Your glory. God, for anybody that's here, Lord, that doesn't know You, God, I pray that today You would save them. Lord, help them to see their need for a Savior. God, help them to trust in You. Help them to follow You. Lord, we ask this 
in your son's name. Amen.